1: Hey, college students, are you looking for a way to get ahead this summer? Northwestern University is offering hundreds of undergrad courses online this summer. Choose an intensive sequence in learning. Registration is open now. Visit northwestern.edu summer for details. Three, two, one. We call this time to put your big boy pants on. Yes, indeed. Terry Cosgrove is returning to the show for Personal Pack. TC, welcome back.
0: Thank you, Ben. I miss both of you.
1: Yeah, it's been too long. And in I person. Ju- in person. I just want to say we made this decision. Uh, well, it's a tentative decision because I guess it's easy, it's, it depends on what the Sun-Times is doing. But uh, Dennis and I are hoping to return to the studio itself in two weeks. Uh, oh, wonderful. Yeah, we're going to take next week off. Much deserved uh, break for us. Thank you for saying that. And then uh, we'll, we hope to come back to the studio Will we have guests in the studio, Terry? That depends on the guests, obviously. Like, how are you right. feeling about these things these days? Are you are you still at home uh, doing your work?
0: Yeah, I'm at home. I'm working. You know, I'm working away. I am stunned at how quickly the days go by. I always had this fantasy. If I didn't go into the office, I'd have, like, twice as much time to get things done. And it feels like the opposite. Like, it's just the days fly by and I'm not getting as much done as i thought i would which is a little frustrating so yeah the but di- it is what it is yeah. and i can't complain you know it's a first world problem compared to all the people who are really suffering out there and you know just from front to end you know and everywhere you
1: look well um we are going to uh take the deep dive with you on all sorts of issues having to do with choice personal pack of course uh, is the leader in the state of Illinois or one of the leaders in the state of Illinois and the movement to, uh, uh, for, uh, for choice for women. But before we do that, just, just general thoughts. Uh, J.B. Pritzker's performance as governor. The reason why I teasingly call this the uh, put your big boy pants on is because that's what Terry told me to do back in 2018. Uh, Terry was an early supporter of of J.B. Pritzker. I did not vote for J.B. Pritzker in the primary. Uh, Terry has not stopped teasing me about that ever since. Uh, And he said, put your big boy pants on, Ben, and support J.B. Pritzker. What's your uh, thoughts on J.B. Pritzker's performance uh, during this pandemic, Terry?
0: Well, he's doing a great job. Listen, I think he's succeeded as far as I'm concerned. And this is just from what so many people have told me, like you, who were not early supporters of him. Just have said over and over that, um, he succeeded everyone's expectations and, uh, they don't exactly say, see, you were right, but, uh, because I, you know, I knew that he would be a better governor than, than Bruce Rauner. There was no doubt about that, but especially on choice and, but no, he's really done a very, very good job. This is a, a tr- very difficult trying time. And I know he's, uh, he's hanging in there and doing the very best he can for, uh, For the health and welfare of Illinois. And and then on the reproductive rights side, you know, he's one of the uh, few governors in the country that has declared that uh, reproductive health care is an essential service. And as you probably know from, and your listeners know, um, many other states like Texas and Georgia and Mississippi have tried to use COVID-19 as an excuse to cut down, to shut down um, abortion care, as well as access to family planning and all other things. And JB has stood by our providers and our healthcare workers in Illinois who work in the area of reproductive healthcare. So he's doing a great job. Um, I think we're very, very lucky to have him and, um, he'll, he'll keep it up. I'm sure.
1: Yeah. And, uh, we we'll get to uh, the, uh, the reproductive rights issue, but let me just say this, I've been talking about this all day. Um, we have this, uh, movement that's erupting, not just, uh, throughout the country, but also in Illinois. Uh, Darren Bailey is the leader of it here in Illinois, the state representative from downstate. And it's a very peculiar situation, uh, Terry. And I, uh, the Darren Bailey's of the world figured out that by and large, the COVID epidemic is hitting hardest at blue, uh, sections of the country that is democratic areas, Cook County, Chicago, uh, New York city, L.A. et cetera and so forth, and then they jump to the conclusion that somehow or other, if you voted for Donald Trump, you're going to be protected from uh, COVID-19. That is sort of like the conclusion that this movement has uh, reached, and now it's we have protests et cetera and so forth. And I give J.B. Pritzker a lot of credit because he's got to be the governor for the entire state of Illinois. Areas that didn't vote for him, areas that love Donald Trump, and also those are areas where by and large the uh, the pandemic, the, the disease isn't as widespread. So it's yes. a very challenging role that he has in trying to balance all these needs. And not everybody's happy with him uh, to put it mildly.
0: Right, right. But you know, to get to the point of they they haven't experienced the disease yet, because um, a lot of the things I have been uh, reading um, is that New York and is in decline, so is L.A., California, and it's now the rural areas that have the least access to health care, you know, the rural counties in the country that are experiencing the greatest explosions of cases. So I don't think the jury's out on that yet. I, uh, and I think that you know Darren Bailey and all of those people. Um, I don't know if if your sophisticated analysis um, actually matches their uh, their intellect or their uh, their wit. I just think they, you know, they're just out to uh, they're just out to do anything that is opposed to anything that happens in Cook County or Chicago or happens with the Democrat, and and that's what it's about. I don't know if they have that much of a sophisticated analysis of it. Mm-hmm. So I could be wrong. All
1: right. And I pledge that if uh, if the trend that you were uh, talking about continues, and actually Dennis and I were talking about this off mic, uh, the, the number of cases nationally have fallen, but there is an uh, increase in some states like Alabama and Arkansas, etc. I pledge that I will show more compassion for people who live in areas out- – different from where I live politically different than they have shown toward where I live. Just making that pledge, TC. I'm going to make that. And I
0: agree. I, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah.
1: uh, Um, So, all right, let's move on to the news of the day. You mentioned that Texas, Georgia and Mississippi are using uh, COVID-19 as an excuse uh, to take away reproductive rights. I I just shake my head in bewilderment. These are the very states, of course, where the movement is strongest. Uh, to open up the state this these are the very states that are are decrying uh the the snatching away of liberty and saying that we should not use this pandemic as an excuse to uh to shut down the economy And, and yet they're using it as an excuse to uh take away reproductive rights it's a interesting little phenomenon going there
0: right and there's also more hypocrisy involved with it there um they're, they're shutting down places that do uh, medical abortions, which is different than surgical. Um, surgical abortion is actually surgery, whereas the medical abortion is the abortion pill. And they're claiming the the ruse that they're operating under is that precious PPE equipment shouldn't be used... <laughs> for abortion care, but it should be used, you know, for frontline workers and a except there's one slight problem with that. You don't need PPE to give someone a pill. In fact, uh, England and a bunch of other countries are now allowing uh, women to, um, to to have an, an interview, a telemedicine interview, and then taking the pill at home, because, of course, we know that the abortion pill is safer than an Advil or a Tylenol. So their excuse for shutting them down just doesn't hold any water. And it's again, just rank hypocrisy. And it's, and it's just causing just unbelievable stress and uh, horror stories for, for women. If we're starting to see women in Illinois from Texas and Louisiana, can you believe someone has to drive to Illinois to take a pill that is safer than an Advil, mm-hmm. or Colorado from Texas, which is another story I just read about. So, that's where we're at. Yep.
1: And uh, you know I, this—I don't think I've uh, said this on the air. I probably have, but I just I can't remember. I say so many things, Terry. But just talking to you makes me think about this. Follow me on this one. Uh, right now, many of the people who are uh, angriest at uh, the Pritzkers of the world, uh, the Cuomo's of the world, for going too far, as they look at, uh, as they see it, in um, uh, closing down uh, the, the economy are saying the only people who die are old people. Right. And it's as though yeah. old people don't matter. But every life is sacred when it comes to abortion. Have you ever noticed that? Like they pick and choose oh, yeah, which lives yeah. are sacred?
0: Oh. Right. No, no. Well, you know what I always uh, attest to? It's the lives that they don't have to worry about being to care about. You know, a fertilized egg they don't really have to care about, but the minute the um, a pregnancy um, comes to full term, all of a sudden, they have to, someone has to be concerned for that person as well as an elderly person. And, you know, again, it goes to their hypocrisy that they're, you know, that here they are talking about being pro life and then uh, putting that in quotes, of course. And then, you know, they don't care about all these elderly people that are dying and are in nursing homes where the, you know, where it's spreading and where it could be solved so easily with with testing and contact tracing because people are in a confined space. They're not, you know, the, as far as I know, these seniors aren't running out to bars all night and, and in uh, amusement parks or whatever, or swimming pools. Um, and they refuse to take the measures to protect them because they just don't care. I think that's the bottom line, Then They, they're, they're callous. They don't really care in this whole thing about um, caring about that abortion is uh, anything other than, you know, a woman's right to decide. It's all facade because it's about controlling women's bodies and women's health and women's lives. And that's all it's ever been about. And everything else is a facade. They, um, they don't, you know, they don't care about young children and their actions in the general assembly and the United States Congress. And they don't care about older people or anyone in particular, except themselves when they need it. You know, when they attack, I, I love when they attack, uh, uh, government-run health care and they're carrying medicare cards around you know so.
1: inconsistencies indeed all right before we get to illinois right uh and because one of the things i hear a lot from uh my friends of the liberal persuasion is ben we don't have to worry about it in illinois because we passed this bill h uh, uh b40 and uh i'll get into that uh, whether uh you know, what the stat, status is on reproductive rights in Illinois. Um, let's talk about nationally. There's a couple of cases that we should know about that are making their way uh, to the Supreme Court that could really undercut uh, reproductive rights. Talk about them, uh, Terry.
0: Well, the, um, the case that the court's going to decide uh, prior to June 30th is June Medical Services versus G, which is a case out of Louisiana, and in fact, the reason why I think the the, we're so pessimistic about it. It's the exact same case that uh, almost word for word that was heard out of Texas two years ago. Want. That's really what it comes down to. So we can talk about all the details of the case that we want, but that's going to be the end result in the next few weeks. And then we're going to see thousands of anti abortion restrictions that will basically leave most of the United States as a complete um, desert for reproductive health care, abortion care, and there will only be a few states in the country on both coasts and then. Uh, possibly Illinois in the middle of the country where abortion will be legal and accessible. And already, Hope Clinic in Granite City, Illinois, 50% of their patients are from out of state, uh, from Missouri, who only has one provider, from Kentucky, from Tennessee, and uh, Indiana, and sorry about that, and other places. Uh, And uh, close to a quarter of uh, 25% of the uh, women coming to Illinois uh, that are seeing providers in Illinois are from Indiana and other states around us, Iowa, uh, Wisconsin. So, and the other thing that I think is important for people to understand for low-income women, for rural women and young women, they've already been living in a post roll era for the most part because in so many states, the restrictions that the court is already found to be legal and to, be, uh, and to be enforceable, are already denying millions of women access to reproductive health care. I mean, only 80 per, 80% of the counties in the United States do not have a single abortion provider. 80% mm-hmm. of the counties in the United States. So if we're, we pass the, I, I keep saying we're in the post Roe era already for the most part, and this case is going to solidify it and just blow open the door for uh For additional restrictions.
1: And uh, so it was, it's coming before the Supreme Court. And the big difference now uh, from the case, the Texas case, as you were uh, pointing out, is that uh, Brett Kavanaugh is uh, on the court. So it would seem like there's, and Brett Kavanaugh, of course, and Neil uh, and Gorsuch are two Trump appointees, and they pretty much do whatever uh, Trump tells them. So Mm -hmm. uh, follow me on this, Terry. Unless someone flips, it should pass five to four. The, the, um, those restrictions should be a, approved by the Supreme court. Am I missing something here? Do you think there's political-
0: no, no, not at all. You have it because the original case was, uh, was four four and Kennedy was one of the people that was the justice that, uh, that was on, uh, that was on our side. And so, uh, and now that Kennedy's gone, it's, it's it's a done deal. Yeah. Now Roberts might try to parse it a little, which is what I said. No matter how the Supreme Court tries to parse the decision, or uh, or the press reads what they do, the reality is going to be the fact that they even took this case to begin with when it was already decided two years ago. That that's that's the this is unprecedented that, that a court would take on uh, almost identical case that had already decided. And, and bring it up again, means that, that Roberts and the right-wing justices on the court already know what they're going to do with it.
1: What do you Which mean is, by person? What do you mean by that? Explain
0: Well, that. they're going to say, well, we re, here's what they're going to say. We, I can tell you right now, you don't even have to read a newspaper or go on the Ben Jarosky show to hear this because I'm going to tell you right now what they're okay. going to say. Well, you have to go to the Ben gonna, show
1: to hear what you're about to say. So go ahead.
0: Yeah. Well, no, again, you're not going to have to go on the Ben Jarosky show after the okay. decision because I'm, I'm telling you what they're going to say right now. They're going to say, we didn't overturn Roe v. Wade. What we decided is because the issue is so uh, is so controversial. We believe it's in the best interest of the 50 states to decide what their policies are when it comes to abortion. Guess what? That's exactly what the law was prior to Roe v. Wade. On January 21st, 1973, the day before Roe was decided, that was exactly the law of the land. So just, just look for that language in there, because that's going to signal to the state legislatures, you can go ahead, you can pass any restriction you want, you can say that life begins at one minute at conception. You can say that, um, that uh, an abortion provider that gives wo- a woman a pill that's safer than a Tylenol or an Advil, you need to have a full-blown surgical operating room like you would do open-heart surgery or brain surgery. Uh, for the safest medical procedure on the planet, they're going to say that 48-hour waiting periods, 72-hour waiting periods, that you have to have, um, you have to have um, hospital privileges um, at a hospital within 30 miles. Even though the Ohio law says that you have to have hospital privileges within 30 miles, but says any that no hospital in Ohio can offer an abortion doctor hospital privileges. So all of that's going to be legal, So, which means that there won't be any place that a doctor or an abortion provider will be able to operate. There's no space because all of these laws will be into effect, and there'll be criminal penalties mm-hmm. attached to all of it.
1: So um, by parsing it this way, it would yeah. seem to me and uh, that what uh, John Roberts is trying to do is to take an issue or to neutralize the issue for the election. And I, I always work from the assumption uh, that the, the John Roberts is a very uh, political justice uh, and that he's uh-huh. looking out as much as he can for the best interests of the Republican Party. Uh, and so he won't be as nutty or right-wing as, to say, Kavanaugh, who was just an extreme Republican. He was a political operative for Ken Starr, so nothing's changed with him. Right. Uh, but so what? Roberts is doing is looking at swing voters. So he's got to he's got to take care of the anti-abortion faction in, in the Republican Party. Uh, that uh, right. and at the same time he has to do it in what sort of a politically palpable way, so that a right. voter in right. Page County doesn't turn against Donald Trump. Is that what the game is?
0: Yeah. Well, they want to mislead. You know, they're going to want, like I said, they're they're going to try to. Mislead and the and I hope the press doesn't go along with it. They're going to mislead the public that that they really didn't fundamentally change the uh, what Roe v. Wade said, even though it's been watered down and it's almost it it it's already almost gone. And say, oh, we really didn't do anything. We just think it's it, that state should have the ability to regulate abortion. Um, that's the best place for this to happen. That's mm-hmm. going to be the overriding uh, overriding. Uh, uh, decision that's going to come out of this, and but they're saying, "Oh, but we didn't do anything to to disrupt Roe. We we left it. We we still believe the Roe v. Wade is along with the land, except the states get to outlaw it. That's really what it's going to come down to." Yeah, uh, and, 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 right. and and yeah, so I think you're absolutely right. they they want to uh, uh, they want they don't want to uh, mislead. Or, or what they want to do is they want to mislead people as much as possible about what they're really doing. And if they say that, uh, in the uh, majority opinion that Roe is left in place, but th- then they'll, then they'll have their hat to hang on that. That's what they did. If they left Roe in place, when in fact it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a total joke.
1: And so how do you think this is going to play in this, uh, 2020 elections? Cause follow me in 2016, it was not the pivotal issue that propelled uh, Hillary Clinton over the top in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, which would have given her uh, the electoral vote she needed to become the next president. Uh, I just want to remind everybody that she won the popular vote. Uh, So how do you think this nuanced uh, slicing of the issue will play politically in this upcoming election?
0: Well, I think the reason why they're going to want it to be nuanced is because they're afraid of how it will play with the very suburban uh, women that you mentioned uh, that will be, you know, be part of the the key coalition that that uh, that Biden will need to win. Uh, But it will. Yeah, I think it will. It will um, alarm people uh, to the extent that the that they get the information. Let's put it that way. And so it'll be really interesting to see how the press plays this. That's what I said, no matter how the press parses this or the, uh, or the justices on the court, the anti-choice justices parse it, is really going to determine what the reaction is going to be.
1: And what can your organization do about this, uh, Terry? I know you're mostly, uh, you're most, your greatest concern, of course, is Illinois politics. Can you, right. can you play a role in it or can groups like yours play a role in this and sort of spreading the word?
0: Oh, yeah. That's why I'm saying what I'm saying right now is warning people, no matter what the, the press says, no matter what the anti-choice justices say, this is what it is. And, you know, what we can do here in Illinois is is stop the happy talk that Illinois is this uh, this absolutely secure pro-choice state. We're not California. We're not New York. We're not Connecticut. We're not uh, Oregon or Washington. HB 40 that you uh, referenced at the beginning here. Uh, only passed the Illinois House by two votes, it passed the Senate by three votes, the Reproductive Health Act only passed both chambers by the slimmest, slimmest of margins. We could have one election cycle. I, let me repeat this. One election cycle by 2016, the right-wing Republicans get control of the Illinois General Assembly. There are 27 anti-abortion bills that are pending in the Illinois General Assembly today as we sit here and all of those bills could be revived which just which just a change of a very few votes this is not california this is not new york our our position as a state where reproductive rights is is available is very very tenuous and i hope people realize that that uh, that all this uh, talk about you know, Illinois being this solidly blue state and everything, if that's not the case in the Illinois General Assembly, we are, we are on the margins. And also with LGBTQ rights, I mean, the bill that um, passed that said that schools need to, to teach LGBTQ history alongside uh, other history curriculums passed with on the nose 60 votes. It takes 60 votes to pass a bill in the House. So we are right on the margins here. And the other thing I want to point out, when Roe is overturned, as they're when they knock the, the basis out of it, marriage equality and so many other privacy issues that have been decided by the court since Roe v. Wade are all subject to review that by the U.S. Supreme Court. So we could very well see a case going to the U.S. Supreme Court from a state, um, basically attacking the legal justification for marriage equality at the federal level, um, using the fact that no, that Roe is no longer the law of the land as it was originally decided and use the same argument that marriage equality should go back to all 50 states and shouldn't be a a federal issue anymore because that's what they're going to say about abortion. So that's just one example of the other, of the other fallout from, from the road decision being vacated,
1: uh, you know, Terry, I know we're going to get into the uh, this conversation as we get closer to November's election, uh, but, right. just, but just listening to you talk about how thin the margin is that uh, we had in Illinois to pass HB forty, are there some pivotal races? And again, we'll be talking more about this as we get closer to November, but are there some pivotal races you want to alert people to uh, in the state of Illinois? Legislative races, Senate races, go ahead.
0: Yeah, generally, I mean, first of all, in 2018, we flipped uh, six anti-choice House seats um, to pro-choice. We passed the Reproductive Health Act with four votes to spare. So had we not flipped those six seats, uh, we never would have passed the RHA, so that's how critical that 2018 election was. And several of them were won by a few hundred votes. So this wasn't, this was not an overwhelming victory. It was run, we won it at the margins. And so, all six of those seats are, well, actually Mark Walker, uh, one of them does not have an opponent. So, so uh, he does have a Republican opponent uh, from Arlington Heights. So five of these seats are now up in the republic you know this, we have more anti-choice right-wing republicans running for the illinois general assembly than at any time before so so let's start right there so we have these five seats that we have to defend and that's just in the house there are a few seats in the senate and we ha- and on top of that so so that's really the number one concern and then after that we are going to be on the offensive in about anywhere from eight to ten house races where we're actually taking on uh, right-wing Republicans so as a you know as a buffer in the event that uh, you know we lose any of the seats that we currently have so without getting into specifics because uh, I can do that later on mm-hmm. on another show but that that's the big picture uh, and then, of course, in 2022, we're going to have a governor's race and we're going to be electing a general assembly under an entirely newly drawn legislative and congressional map. Well, let, so me, we need to be in,
1: let me just take the need opportunity, since you mentioned it, my favorite little uh, rant and rail. <laughs> you know, every time you every time you come on the show, I go here. I go here every time all my all my friends of the do good government persuasion with who are pushing for a fair map you have no idea how much damage you're doing to the reprodu, reproductive rights of women throughout this country cuz you're suckers being used by the republicans To undercut whatever gains the Democrats have gotten uh, throughout the the rest of the country. And if we're all going to get together to establish one set of rules for all states, I will happily sign on to a fair map. But if it's just fair map in areas where the
0: Democrats win,
1: uh uh-uh, sorry. I can't go for that.
0: Hallelujah, Ben Girardi. <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. You put on your big boy pants. No. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what I said, yeah. what I said, you know, this fair math stuff is all fine and well. Go to Ohio and get it. Go to Ohio and get it done. Start there. Or, you know, or I, Michigan I, or Wisconsin. I'll send, you, I'll send money. Yeah. I'll send money. Yeah. Wisconsin, Ohio, uh, Missouri, um, Iowa you know, I'll write a check. I'll make a contribution. Go there, go, go get it done. If you want to do this, get it done in all the Republican states first, or do it that includes all 50 states. So that's the only way I'm in favor of it.
1: No, I, I'm with but you.
0: luckily yeah. in Illinois, we are, uh, we're going to have, um, we're going to have a fair map that's going to respect, uh, that's going to respect the rights of, of, uh, minority voters. It's going to respect the rights of a lot of people, including women. And we are will hopefully come out of this with a stronger General Assembly than we've had in a very long time and maybe the strongest ever. So, by the we're, way, we're I, on the right.
1: we're all. Yeah, I, by the way, I just want to promote an upcoming show. I'm going to have a, a state representative from Wisconsin, a Democrat named Greta Neubauer. She's from the Racine area, and she'll be talking about life uh, in uh, Wisconsin with a uh, Republican-led uh, state house. So, if you want to sense Illinois voters of what life exists like in a state where Republicans rule the land. I definitely, you should definitely check into my interview with Greta Newbauer. So then you, maybe you'll think twice about uh, a fair map uh, in just democratic states uh, as opposed right. to all states. Uh, it,
0: you know, and I, I, I know I hate to be nice on this subject, but um, <laughs> I, I do want to say there are some very well-intentioned people that are involved with it. And, and they and so I just want to be clear that um, that in some cases that uh, that is uh, that is the case, but it's there. It's just the wrong approach. That's all.
1: All right, Do, TC bending over backwards to be nice. That's I know. Like I like you.
0: I just, I know. I don't. I, Where did almost, that come I'm from? Almost, <laughs> I don't know. I just okay, Can we?
1: Can we uh, rewind the tape and cut that out? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll edit that out. No, I'm going to keep that in to haunt you with it, just just to be no, nice. Can you beep it? Can't, can't you?
0: Can't you beep it like they do on TV when people swear? There, yeah, All right.
1: Like, when has the other side been nice to us? All right. Anyway, let's uh, let's uh, move on from that. Uh, suddenly, we're nice. Um, let's uh, let's go to some national political talk while I've got you here. And uh, I was telling you before you came on the show, I had the booth. I was a guest a couple of weeks ago, uh, an old friend of mine, activist, longtime activist uh, in leftist circles, democratic circles. And she was urging, she gave a really passionate plea as a uh, veteran, how about that, like an old-time lefty calling on uh, younger Bernie supporters and younger lefties. Uh, to vote Democratic vote for Joe Biden even if they don't love Joe Biden that was her passionate plea I've struggled with Joe Biden as you know Terry I did not vote for him in the primary I will vote for him I'm no doubt about that I've definitely if they gave me a ballot right now you know, it or fill it out and just send it in uh for uh Joe Biden but uh you must be finding yourself all the time making a similar appeals. Uh, to the younger people, just like Heather Booth is, is that, you know, speaking as well, a person. Actually, go ahead.
0: Yeah, yeah. Actually I was just on a, uh, a, um, a webinar with Heather a few hours ago. So, um, and she is one of my, actually, she was, uh, um, she helped mentor me in the seventies and eighties when uh, I first met her on at Washington's first campaign in 1983. So I'm um, Heather and I go back a long time. She's an amazing organizer amazing national figure and uh we're and she's uh chicago born and bred so we're very lucky to have her she's out in washington dc right now but you know what i have to say ben i think i think most people i know see what's at stake in this election and i don't think that i haven't had to convince too many people that i've run into uh to support joe biden but will I, what i will say is that i first of all i remember uh um, I remember – oh, God, I'm, now I'm forgetting his name uh, – Barney Frank said the only time he ever voted for a perfect candidate was the first time he ran for office. <laughs> so yeah. so I think we have to remember that there is no such thing as a perfect candidate out there. Uh, that there, are, And also, I think it's important for people to understand, and you and I have had this conversation before, that we really have to give people credit for evolving and, and changing. And whatever – you know, problems people have had with Joe Biden in the past. He is coming around on so many issues. For example, an issue that's dear to my heart, you know this, Ben, because of all uh, 40 years I worked on HB 40, which um, which provided that Medicaid pay for low-income women's abortions. Joe Biden changed his mind on that a few months ago. Tell me what good it would do to beat Joe Biden up for the next five months over his error in the past. It would do absolutely no good. You know what to do? It. It'd help get Donald Trump reelected if I did that. But I'm not doing that because it's great that he came around. And so I think it's important for people to, as a as a progressive movement, if we want to make change and we want to bring around real change, it's important that we allow people to join us when they when we believe they haven't been right in the past, and I use marriage equality as the example, 15, 20 years ago, you could not find anyone other than a few rare people in the gay rights movement who thought that marriage equality would ever be possible. There wasn't anyone in favor. If there wasn't a single elected official, Barack Obama wasn't in favor of it until very late in the game. Actually, Joe Biden was one of the first people that came out in favor of it. So if you remember, he's the one that put Obama on the spot. He did that interview. Wait, Obama. wait, 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 wait.
1: Don't get me started on this. You're, you're pushing the wrong yeah. button. Barack Obama was for it. Then he was against then it. He was against then it. he was for <laughs> it. Okay, so right. I know. Uh, yeah, you're proving your. The reality proves your point that Barack Obama. I never, ever, ever believed that Barack Obama was against gay marriage. I believe that he right. made a political calculation when he ran for Senate in 2004 that it was not in his best interest to be for it, and I, Terry, this is you and I well, have. This, but let me finish ahead. what I'm
0: going to say. Go ahead. Let me let me finish. And and so but now you can't I, I don't know anyone that that I, that is in my circle or or anyone that wasn't always for gay marriage, according to them. Yeah. And we just never bothered to bring up a bill to do it or we never bothered to file a lawsuit. No. So are we going to run around and 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 you know, hold everyone to this standard. Well, you didn't support gay marriage ten years ago or five years ago. No, we're not. Let's move forward. Let's let's allow people to to have a change of heart, have a change of mind, understand that a policy is important, whether it's Medicaid funding for low income women's abortions, whether it's it's marriage, whether it's workers' rights, whatever. So so that's what I think we have to look at. The lens of Joe Biden, and not that everything that he ever did was wrong, and now he's good all of a sudden. I mean, he's, he's a person of his age. He is up against the most, the largest, the biggest existential threat to our future, our safety, our world. Let's get our act together. Elect Joe Biden. He will. He will have people in his universe that will that will put our government back to working for people and actually make some substantive changes that I think we all want to our healthcare system, to, uh, to attacking uh, the devastation, to our climate, to workers' rights, to obviously to reproductive rights. So let's give the guy a chance. Let's get this done. We cannot reelect Donald Trump. That is the bottom line.
1: All right, you and I see eye to eye in that. And as
0: I say on your show all the time, Ben, I would vote for a lobotomized flea over Donald Trump. <laughs>
1: Okay. Well, uh, I, I am not running for office. All right. Anyway, uh, bad joke. Okay. So um, let's close by doing a, a couple of movie reviews. And uh, you told me something that I didn't realize. I thought I knew everything about your life. Uh, I know what high school you went to. I know what college you went to. I know where you got your start. Uh, I know when you first started bugging me about writing stories uh, that you wanted me to write. Uh, So I know all these things about you. But I did not know until we had a conversation before the show that you had a debate with Phyllis Schlafly. And so why don't you uh, tell uh, our listeners about the debate, uh, Phyllis Schlafly, and who Phyllis Schlafly is. And uh, I thought it was a delightful little story. Go ahead.
0: Right. Okay. No. No. I'm glad to. Well, as uh, some of your listeners may know, there's a, a series on FX and Hulu called Mrs. America, and it's basically about the struggle for the Equal Rights Amendment, uh, starting back in the early '70s, and uh, and and the subject of the show is really. One of the main characters is Phyllis Schlafly, although each segment they highlight another person, such as Gloria Steinem, Bella Abzug, um, and others. Um, But it's very, very Illinois centric. Well, in the late '70s, um, I was chair of Illinois Men for the ERA, and and. and we did everything we could to pass it. Of course, we failed until it passed a few years ago. But as part of that, I can, I was up against Bill Schlesinger, and I was on a radio show with her at one point. And um, and it was short. Her son, uh, her gay son John, used to come to a bar in Champaign called the Bar, and it was pretty well known that she had uh, a gay son, and but she never wanted to admit to it. And then. Uh, news got out, and so on the radio show, not unlike the ski show, um, I asked her. She her thesis was is that that children became gay because their because their their parents did weren't home enough and didn't pay enough attention. They were basically because it was their parents. Their parents were bad, and so I asked her on the radio show if her son was gay because she was a bad mother, and yeah. she said that. Uh, she was from Alton, Illinois. Is Dennis listening? Yes. And, um, and uh and basically, she said that was her private business and uh, and no one else's business about her son and her family. So that was it. That wow. was the. You actually? Uh, I did not know. I ran that. into her in Springfield. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I you know I saw her up close in Springfield. Also the. The show focuses on the National Women's uh, Conference that took place in Houston, and there were 50 conferences and 50 state legislatures, and ours took place in Bloomington, Illinois, where she and Bella Adza were supposed to have, uh, she was going to show up to a speech that Bella was going to give, and she never did. And Bella gave this rousing uh, speech in favor of women's rights, reproductive rights, the Equal Rights Amendment, and I was there at that Bloomington conference. So um, I have a piece
1: of history. So when you when it. you con, uh, confronted her, I did not know you confronted her about her son. Uh, and yeah. you were in a, a studio, a radio studio, with her. Were you...
0: Yeah, it was a call-in. No, no, it was a call-in.
1: Oh, so in other words, I got you. Show. So you weren't facing. So in other words, she didn't. Uh, there was no personal exchange afterwards. I would have wondered what she would have no, said. No, no,
0: there wasn't. No, unfortunately, um, I would
1: have loved that. But um, well, you I, know what I, I got to say. Uh, ordinarily. My attitude is family's off limits. But when a politician makes a, a flat-out declaration the way she did that somehow or other uh, parental upbringing has to do with one's sexual uh, choice, I, 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 she's wide open for it, in my opinion. Oh, totally. To her,
0: she, yeah. You know? Well, she was running around saying, I mean, to to be clear, as a little history lesson. You'll remember this, Ben, but, you know, she, which I think is hysterical now. She was walking around. I mean, her argument against the ERA basically had three pillars. Number one, women would have to serve in the military, check. I'm not happy, but women would be allowed to serve in the military, check. um, That men and women would be sharing the same bathrooms, check. And that um, the ERA would cause gay marriage. Check. Yeah. And so the argument, those are the three things that she argued against. But in talking about uh, gay people and talking about parents, she was attacking my parents saying that I turned out to be a gay man because my parents were not good parents. And I was really offended by that. And every other person I knew, she was denigrating. She wasn't just, you know, putting down LGBTQ people and advocating that we didn't have our equal rights, but she was attacking our families. And to me, that was totally unacceptable. Normally, um, I would agree with you. And I've always, for my test, has always been the hypocrisy factor. Like there were a million rumors that flew around about Harold Washington being gay, mm-hmm. but Harold Washington never voted against, he never spoke out against gay rights. Washington could have all the privacy that he wanted, and so could other people. But people like Aaron Schock, mm-hmm. who run around and vote against gay rights and speak out against gay rights, and then live this, you know, closeted uh, lifestyle until a few months ago when he finally, you know, came out and said what everyone already knew. Uh, so to me, that's the difference. The standard is if you want to, you know, quietly go about your wife. I mean, I wish people would be honest and open. It wasn't even an issue. And I think it's less so now to a, a large degree than it was many years ago. But the hypocrisy is what irritates the hell out of me.
1: Oh, yeah. No, it's it's funny me. you should mention this. And we're totally in a tangent here. But I just wrote a story for the reader about a, a an old friend of mine who passed on not too long ago, Albert Dickens. And uh, I knew him in the 70s. Uh, I mean, I got to meet him again not too long. We worked at the Sun-Times. And uh, I did not know he was gay. And it was just such a different world in the 70s, Terry. You know?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. it was
1: just such a different freaking world. It's hard to even imagine it. You know what I mean? And I thought about it. It's like all the homophobic uh, wisecracks that – uh, Albert was subjected to, you know, he worked in the sports department right. of the uh, the daily mm-hmm. news back in the seventies. I'm sure he heard stuff all yeah. the time and he just, I mean, it's just a different world. That's
0: uh, right. And that's, and you know, it's, it's how people survive. You know, I always say, I, I you know, I'm so hesitant to ever, uh, to ever compare, you know, and anyone's oppression uh, up against anyone else's. I mean, this, why, why, why do some young teen, young gay teenagers thrive and become and become out there and really take control of their lives and then um another huge swap commit suicide how is it that um one african-american man can become president and then there's the whole you know in the midst of the horrible racism in this country and it's just so it's it's um you know, it, it's a complicated subject. I know I, I mean, just on a personal level, I always survived by just being as sassy as I possibly could and just didn't let anyone push me around. And I got my nose broken and I filed the first lawsuit ever successfully in the United States, um, challenging discrimination based on sexual orientation and public accommodations. Yeah, you know, my partner and I were dragged out of a straight bar and champagne for dancing together. Well, we were literally dragged out, but, um, but we were asked to leave and refused to. And then it's a whole long story, but that was in 1980. So Mm. I, I just always felt it was better to be out. And plus I, you know, just, I had fun, you know, it was just, (laughs) that was the time I was lucky. I had the support that I had of friends around me and um, I never looked back really. So. A
1: young Terry Cosgrove in 1980. I could just picture that scene in the bar, but did you win the lawsuit by the way?
0: Uh, we won the loss. It was the first case ever, yeah. It was in public accommodations. Yeah, it was. It was ground – there's a Mother Jones article about it. Didn't I ever – I should send it
1: to you. Should you should send, oh, send it. To uh, and yeah. uh, what that bar bartender uh, – the, the, that bar establishment learned, you got to – when you're dealing with Terry Cosgrove, you got to put your big boy pants on.
0: Big boy pants on. In fact, it was funny because <laughs> the mayor of Champaign, her name was Joan Severins, and she was a, a – hard carrying member of the ACLU and a Republican and I worked on her mayoral campaign and it was under the Champaign County Ordinance, the Champagne City of Champaign ordinance that we filed the uh, the lawsuit under and uh, and as the and, and part of the way why the suit was successful and then I'll shut up about it is I knew, and I was, I was chair of the Urbana Human Re- Relations Commission, so I knew all the cops in Champaign and Urbana just because I'd been there for a while and, and had been a political activist and, you know, just all of that. So when the two cops showed up, they said, Terry, we really don't want to arrest you. And I said, well, the only way you can do that is let me pull out a piece of paper and just sign this piece of paper that says the only reason my partner Patrick and I are being asked to leave and you're... And you're want to arrest us is that we were two men dancing together. And that's the only reason. Oh yeah, we'll do that. So they signed, so I pulled out a legal pad that I always carry around. They signed a piece of paper. The next morning, Joan Severance walks into her office. I'm sitting on the floor in front of her locked office. And she said, what are you doing here? And I pulled out the piece of paper, told her the story. And she goes, Oh shit. I can't believe they were that stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Not the cops, the bar. Right, right, right. Yeah. And so it was really a slam dunk of a case. It was kind of like the the bed and breakfast case in Illinois um, that refused to do the the civil union ceremony like two years ago from downstate Illinois, and they sent an email to the two guys saying we – we won't allow it because you're two men trying to have a civil union <laughs> ceremony, and it went and they went all the way to the Illinois Supreme Court to kept on appealing it. And It was just it was decided. You put stuff like that in writing. You you don't generally win.
1: You know. Yeah. By the way, just the the the, uh, the vision of a card carrying member of the ACLU being a Republican that in itself yeah. is ancient history. Okay. Card carry yeah, members, the ACLU I know.
0: being Republicans. I, know. I think she was, she was actually president of the ACLU chapter of Champaign County in the, in the late seventies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there were, you know, Ben, you yeah. go back far enough. You know, there used to be, uh, at, at one time there used to be sane, uh, Republicans, uh, you know, we won't get started on Jim Thompson and some of the others that, uh, all
1: right, now here's here's what we're going to yeah. do. We're going to close on the interview, but I'm going to make a promise. I'm going to watch the documentary, uh, a.k.a. Jane Rowe. I haven't seen it yet. And yeah. uh, the next time we're on the show, we're going to do the deep dive on the documentary okay. and the whole case, a.k.a. Jane Rowe. I have not seen it, but I intend to watch it, and we'll bring you on. We'll take a, do a little more history lesson for the youngsters out there. How about that?
0: Okay, sounds good.
1: All right. Very (laughs) good. Terry, TC, Terry Cosgrove from Personal Pack. Thank you so much, T, for coming on. We'll talk to you soon.
0: Okay. Sounds great. Thank you very much. Bye.